as I've sought to stick with these passages from um, Isaiah. It's been interesting to me as I've sat with him that initially none of these passages mentions Jesus directly. But we know the vision and hope of these prophets, though, points to Jesus. We have that advantage of looking back and knowing that. But the prophets, like Isaiah, they anticipated this time. They anticipated a day when things would be made right. A day in which there'd be flourishing, a day when joy and gladness would be the order of the day. The translation that Dan read out of the message in verses 3 and 4 reads this way. Energize the limp hands, strengthen the rubbery knees, tell the fearful souls, courage, take heart, God is here, right here. When he read those words a few moments ago, for some reason I just really stayed with those words. Courage, take heart, God is here, right here. Now that's a message we need to hear today. That may be a message some of you this morning needs to hear. Take courage, God is is here, right here, on his way to put things right and redress all wrongs. He's on his way. He will save you. These prophets, they look forward to a time, and that was their dream, their longing, their yearning, a time when this would be reality. And we read the prophets during this time of year to be reminded of our own longing and yearning as well. Beneath all the hectic nature of the season and the frenzied pace, we discover, I believe, that we long for this as well. We, we may not quite know how to put it into words, but that longing exists. We want things to be made right. We want things to be made well. We want a different world. We want a different experience. And so what we celebrate at this time of year, what brings us to this place of joy and gladness, is the reality that in this birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus into this world, this has been inaugurated, what the prophets foresaw that of making things right. Not just the birth in a single moment, but the totality of Jesus' life, his teaching, the way in which he has shown us to live. All of this points to this new way of living, this new way of being, a way that brings abundance and life and joy. And here is the challenge. With all the conversation around fake news today, what is fake? We're being invited to see the real news, the good news. And this good news is not as much a proclamation, but a life. The life of Jesus come to us, a life of manifesting the presence and ways of God, a life showing us what the new reality will look like and can look like in the present. In other words, this isn't just fake news. It isn't just fanciful news. This is real stuff. And the prophets invite us to embrace it and see it as what is actual and what is real. Now, when the prophets try to describe this reality, this new reality, they often use poetic imagery. That's what's so hard about it. When Dan and I were talking about reading this passage, we both said, should we read the whole thing? Should he read the whole thing? There's a lot there. There's a lot of imagery. There's a lot of metaphors. There's just a lot there. And then we decided, eh, just read the whole thing. Why not? You can handle it. But when the prophets tried to describe this They try to use poetic imagery to convey what is real. And these images involve things that once were weak and now strong, once fearful of each other that now exist together in loving relationship. That which was barren, dry, and dead that now flourishes with life and its fruitfulness. In other words, God is intending to reverse life as it is. Now think about that. 
God is intending to reverse life as it is. The things in this life, the things in this world that cause pain, the things in this world that cause suffering, the things in this world that cause grief and sorrow, God's intention is to reverse that. And not just as some fairy tale story, but as something that is real. And Jesus came into this world to show us how that's done and how that can be. Weak hands are strengthened, unsteady knees are supported, eyes of the blind are opened, and the ears of the deaf are uncleared. The lame will be able to leap, and the speechless sing. And then there's, then there's the deserts and the places of wilderness. They'll rejoice, blossom, bloom, and be glad. There will be fountains of waters and streams. Where there was once no flourishing, there is now flourishing. Hearts and souls and nature, the physical body, all of creation is flourishing. And this is the hope of the prophet. This is his message. You read Isaiah 35, 1 through 10, and you just get this sense that this will happen. It will take place. It's possible. Take courage. Be of good heart. God's dream, the message is, for this flourishing reality to be a reality. And God started this mission through the Israelites, continues it through Jesus, and invites us to be part of it as well. Now, what's part of this is this wilderness and desert. And it often gets glamorized. If you've ever driven through parts of Arizona, parts of New Mexico, and you've seen some of the beautiful desert experiences and places there, it, it, it's easy to drive through those deserts. You're on your way to Santa Fe. You're on your way to Taos. Uh, You're in a car, and you can stop and look at the sunset or the sunrise, and you think, what a beautiful desert. But in Scripture, when we see the allusions to wilderness and desert, it wasn't quite as glamorous. Driving back from California a few years ago, when Chad and I were bringing Aaron back from uh, California, uh, we uh, stopped the first night in Salina, Utah. I don't know if you know anything about Salina, Utah. It's where 70 starts and heads east, or if you're going west, it's where 70 ends, and then you head down south and southwest down into, uh, uh, well, some other states, but you know what I'm saying. You head toward California. I didn't listen during my geography. So when we got on to I-70 the next morning to head to Colorado, as we got on, there was this big billboard that said this, take care of all services now, nothing for the next 150 to 200 miles. I thought, ah, these Utah folks, they just like to try to put a scare in you. Well, let me tell you, about mile 175, I was wishing I had done all the services that I needed to do because they were right. But thankfully, the gas tanks were full and the bladders were empty, and we just drove right on through. But as we went through Utah, you saw this this barrenness, this wilderness, this nothingness. Yeah, it had its own beauty, but there was just... Nothing, nothing around but you and your car and miles and miles and miles of open space. The true wilderness is a different place. One author, Chuck DeGroat, writes it, or describes it this way. The wilderness is a place of chaos and darkness. It was for the Israelites coming out of exile. That's what this passage is all about. The Israelites are coming out of exile. They, they've been in Babylon. They have been, they have been away from their beloved home. And they, they yearn for Jerusalem. And they yearn for being back where they knew and experienced God. And so they're in this wilderness place. It felt chaotic and dark. For those who were around when Jesus was born, oppressed by an occupying force, it was a time of chaos and darkness. And it's into those wilderness places 
of chaos and darkness that God promises he will be present and that in times things will be different. And they can be very personal. The wilderness and desert of a marriage in which the love seems stale and forward progress just seems stuck and it's not going anywhere. The wilderness and desert of a physical condition that we didn't expect, but now we find that we have and we must live with, or at least we begin to address and manage. There is the wilderness and desert of loss, loss of job, loss of capacity, loss of a loved one, loss of income. It leaves us feeling disoriented. There's the wilderness and desert of loneliness and depression and sadness, the kind that you just can't shake after one day, the kind that leaves you paralyzed, the kind that just leaves you staring at the walls or wondering if you'll ever be able to get out of bed again. And Sometimes there's just the wilderness and the desert of not knowing who you are, and you're in a place of transition in your life, and you're in a place of change, and you once thought you understood yourself, but now your own self doesn't make sense to you. And you're going through this huge transition and this huge change, and it's really hard to describe to people. It's really hard to tell people because sometimes it's really hard just to be honest with people and with those around you. And so we pull all of the nice, wonderful pictures of wilderness and desert away from the travel logs, away from the maps, away from the interstates, and we see that for the Israelites, it can be a place of chaos and darkness, and it was. And we see for us it can be a place of chaos and darkness, and often it is. And these are the real deserts and wildernesses of our existence. These are the places of chaos and darkness. But as the prophet reminded the Israelites, we are reminded, and this is the good news, we are reminded of this, that when the Messiah comes... When God's presence comes, our deserts and wildernesses will again bloom. They will again flourish. They will again experience fruitfulness and gladness. Maybe not right now, but in time they will. In other words, whatever wilderness or desert you or I may be in, we will not be stuck there forever. We will not be stuck there emotionally. Maybe not even physically. Certainly not spiritually, but we will move out of it. Take courage and have heart, God says, for I am here. So during the season of Advent, we're invited to be present to our wilderness and desert places. To be present to them and present in them because it's there that we discover God. We need not avoid them, but we can be present to them because it's with them we encounter God often in those wilderness and desert experiences. We have that hope and that gladness that joy will once again return, that we'll be overwhelmed by joy that grief and groaning will flee away. This is the promise that someday this will happen and can happen right now. In this season of expectation and preparation and waiting and anticipation, we long and yearn for those days and moments of gladness and joy, those moments when our grief and groaning, as the passage says, they flee away, and those moments will come, and they have come, and they're available to us now in the present, and this is that Christmas miracle. There's a passage in the translation that Dan read, verses 5 and 7. Springs of water will burst out into the wilderness, and streams flow in the desert, and hot sands will become a cool oasis. Again, imagery. Springs of water will burst out into the wilderness, streams flow in the desert, and hot sands will become a cool oasis. 
So I thought about this passage even in a deeper way. And I thought about that language, and I thought about wildernesses, and I thought about deserts. And I thought about being God's presence in the here and now, reversing the trend, if you will, reversing life as it is and living into the reality that God invites us to live into. And I thought, well, we as individuals, well, we as meeting can be an oasis for those that are going through their own wilderness and desert experiences. We can be an an oasis for the lonely and the heartbroken. We can be an oasis for the fearful and the anxious. We can be an oasis for the confused and the hurting. And we can be an oasis for the weary and the tired. I'm really glad that we are this oasis in ways and even in indirect ways. Some of you know, or most of you know, that we provide space three times a week for Alcoholics Anonymous. And about a week ago, I went back to get a cup of coffee. Uh, We were having a meeting downstairs, and I always know they have coffee and snacks, so I went up there for the coffee. And as I was getting the coffee, I just slowly walked back to the door to go downstairs, and I just loved watching that whoever came through the door into the fellowship hall received first a welcome and a hug. And I thought, what an oasis for someone who is probably maybe at their very bottom, wondering if I'm going to even make it through tomorrow. And when they come in that door, they don't receive a sense of judgment. They don't receive uh, anything else but a cup of coffee, a hug, and hi, my name is. And that's how the evening got started. We can partner with those in our community that serve as an oasis to those that are experiencing their own wilderness and desert moments. West End Ministries, Leslie's House, Angel Tree. You go back to the fellowship hall and you see three or four tables lined up with gifts that you all have uh, graciously purchased and brought. Um, This tree right here is raising money for Shriners Hospital and Special Olympics of High Point. And because of what you have given... And because of your generous missions committee, there is going to be at least a total of $1,500 to be split between those two organizations. Open door, hand-to-hand pantry, and then just mentioned a few moments ago, Cameron, about the JCs. All of these are ways that we provide an oasis for people that are struggling, an oasis for people that are hurting, an oasis for people that maybe are just simply limping and crawling through their last mile, if you will, of hope. And then the last thing I thought of was, how can our own life be an oasis to those around us that are struggling? An oasis of kindness, an oasis of encouragement, an oasis of friendship and relationship for those that are lonely. Maybe just an oasis of acceptance. An understanding. These places, of, these places of oasis are where springs of water just pop up in the dryness and the wilderness, and they provide relief and hope, and they provide something that someone needs so that you and I and our meeting and wherever we find ourselves this week and in the week to come and in the weeks to come, we end up being that oasis for people 
in their journey through their own wilderness and their own desert. Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. Uh, Not 1 through 10, but Isaiah 35, verses 3 and 4. Energize the limp hands. Strengthen the rubbery knees. Tell fearful souls, courage, take heart. God is here, right here, on his way to put things right and to redress all wrongs. That's the good news. God is here, right here. And sometimes God is here through you and I, right here, giving this world courage, giving each other courage, and helping each other to take heart, because sometimes the journey can be hard.